Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. As we turn the page on a decade, we're starting the new one here. It's amazing. Whoa, once again. All right, we're going to get me dialed in, Lord willing, shortly. Um, wanted to give you a final update on the Christmas offering. Well, it's not final because the total is $17,549.10. And I think I'm going to throw in the extra 90 cents to make it 50. <laughs> 17,550. That's, that's a lot of fun that we're going to be able to bless, uh, other people with as a congregation. We're in a series, a two week series, where we're looking at really what we're looking at is the mentality that is required in order to really change and grow. There's, there's a, 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 a mental reset that we have to, to take in order to, to make the changes that we really want to make. I, there's an article in the Times this morning uh, in the business section, and it said, reasonable resolutions. Um, that's, you know, the older you get, the more appealing that is. You know, when you're young, <laughs> oh, reasonable. Come on, let's go for it. But there's a, there's a normal pattern that takes place when, when we set out to change. And I'm going to just pick a, an area and talk about it a little bit. Let's say that our goal is to get in shape physically. That's, that's our goal. We, we really, you know, we want to, we want to get in shape. And so what happens is we get inspired. Maybe, maybe you watch The Biggest Loser. That's one of my wife's favorite shows. And it's inspiring, you know, to watch people drop, drop the weight and move on. So let's say you, you, you're fired up to get in shape physically. And you, you get all motivated and you go to the gym. In my younger days, I would go to the gym and completely overdo it. I'd be, I'd be so pumped that I'd go, you know, Pump the weights, do whatever, and I'd be looking at the big guys, you know, trying to copy what they're doing and learn from them. The next morning you get up and you're so sore. Every square inch of your body is sore. And so you get out of bed, you know, that's a big effort. And maybe, maybe you're motivated to the point where you can push through the first week. You know, even though you're sore, you're, you're, you're pretty fired up. So you push through the first week. And then, at the beginning of the next week, Monday, you're supposed to get up and go to the gym again. You need to work out your workout day. And you're not quite as motivated. You just sort of like to linger a little longer, read the paper, drink some coffee, just sort of soak in the morning, give yourself a chance to wake up. Or you get up and you're so busy that it, it crowds out your, your goal, this getting in shape goal that you have. This is a critical moment. Right here. When, when you get up and all of a sudden you can find no motivation. Everything in you is just telling you either to stay in bed or to linger over the coffee, maybe read a little bit more of the paper. There's an article that catches your interest. This is the critical moment. You have to say no to yourself in order to make the progress toward the goal that you've chosen. This is what it takes to grow. It's almost the same in every area of our life. The same pattern takes place. We get inspired. We get fired up. Well, I really want to get to know God better, so I'm going to get in Scripture. I'm going to, be, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some more time talking to Him. 
I'm going to try to learn more about Scripture and try to get my hands around what that means. Or we, 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 you know, our finances, they're out of control and we want to sort of gather them together and make some progress this year financially. We get fired up about that. First day or two goes well. And then, and then comes that first moment when you have the, the, this desire to just do what you want to do. That's our problem. We want to do what we want to do. Whether it makes sense in the long term or not, right now we want to do what we want to do. And what it takes then at that critical moment is you have to say no to yourself. Same thing in building a marriage. Same thing in parenting. It's, it's the same in changing our work patterns and our work habits. At that critical moment, you have to say no. Because every time you get inspired, this is the pattern. You get inspired, you take the first few steps. After the first few steps, you're going to waffle on resolve. And you're tempted to fall back into your old ways. They're so familiar. They're so comfortable. And it just seems so right. It's at that point that you have to say no to yourself or you won't grow. If you cave to the temptation to go back to the old ways, you don't grow. If you say no to yourself, you grow. This pattern keeps repeating itself as we try to change in different different areas. This is why Jesus says that denying yourself is the way to really live. doesn't make sense to our native makeup as we hear what he says in this passage. But Jesus never told the crowds what they wanted to hear. He told them how life really is. And this is what he says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man who, if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? See, Jesus gives us major perspective in this passage of what it takes to be the people that God has made us to be. This is very, very important. In this passage, he defines discipleship. Discipleship is following Christ. It's being a learner, deciding to to try to live life the way that he wants us to. And he defines it. He defines the basic core requirements of a disciple. And he says that being a disciple, being a follower of Christ, involves denying yourself and taking up your cross and following him. In Luke 9.23, it says, we take up our cross daily. Every day we take up our cross. We wear crosses today, but to the people he said this to, it would be like telling them, hop on your electric chair every day and get fried. That's, I mean, the, the cross is, was a brutal tool of execution. That meant death. So what he's saying is, if you want to follow me, What you have to do is you have to die to yourself every day. This is a basic requirement for discipleship, for following Christ. He he says this because 
He wants us to find real life in Him. He wants us to experience the blessing that He has for His followers. And so this is what it means to follow. He says this because there is no other way to follow Him and find life. There is no other option. We try to create those. We try to sort of put our foot in the water. Okay, I'm going to try following Christ and see what happens. You've got to dive in. You've got to give your whole self to following Him. If you do, you find His blessing. If you don't, you don't. And that's why Jesus says it this way. There's a guy that wrote a book, Gary Richmond, called A View from the Zoo. And in that book, he he makes some observations from the uh, way that the animals in a zoo do things. And he talks about a baby giraffe, a giraffe at one point. And he describes the birth of a baby giraffe says that the baby giraffe, when it's born, its head comes out and the, the, you know, the front legs come out, and then it falls 10 feet. And it sort of hits the ground, because, you know, they have long legs. So it falls 10 feet, sort of rolls around, and, and gets in an upright position with its legs tucked under it. The mom looks down, takes a quick look at the giraffe, and then kicks it as hard as she can. And it rolls around, sort of startled, gets struggled. Then she walks over and she kicks it. She keeps kicking the giraffe. And it's struggling to sort of get up and stand up. And finally, the giraffe stands up. The mom walks over and kicks it again. The reason she does this is because she wants the baby giraffe to remember how it stood up. And this seems cruel. As we hear about this. But the mom knows if that baby giraffe is going to be free to be a normal giraffe. It can't learn how to stand up, walk, and run at its own pace. Because there are lions and hyenas and wild dogs and other animals that love baby giraffe meat. And so if that giraffe is going to live, the mom has to teach it to get up. And to learn to run as quickly as possible so it can stay with the herd inside the herd where there's safety. There's no other way. And you just can't sort of be a baby giraffe and do it the way you want to do it. You've got to learn. You've got to get moving. Because those leopards and hyenas, they're out there. This, this, is, this, this is the way it is. This is how life is in the giraffe world. And that's, that's the same reason Jesus tells us what he tells us in this passage. Because this is, this is the way it is. This is why he says, to follow me, you have to take up your cross and deny yourself. He's the one who made us. He was there when the first man and the woman, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God. And he knows that you and I have made that same choice and we have a rebellious streak in us. And so every day, if we're going to find life in him, we're going to have to say no to ourselves. We're going to have to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and die to ourselves. It's the best way to live. It's really the only way to find life in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. He knows, Jesus knows that there is no other way to spiritual life and growth. Uh, God had Paul write it down this way in Romans 8, 12 to 13. 
Therefore, brothers, we we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. We talked a little bit about that last week, our flesh, our old ways, our old life independent of God. Our obligation is not to the sinful nature, to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. This is the way it's put in the message paraphrase. So, don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us. Nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. We have to keep doing that every day because it keeps growing up. It keeps cropping up. And we have to say no to the old way and the old life and get on with our new life. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. That's the way the message puts that passage. That is what it takes to grow spiritually. We have to keep dying to our old ways and our old life. And we have to keep saying no to ourselves and say yes to God's way and the way that Jesus would have, have us live. To be a better husband or a wife, you're going to have to keep saying no to yourself. When you're tempted to blow up like you always do or pull back and retreat and just disconnect, Father, I, I surrender to you and I need your help here. Would you, would you fill me and would you help me to be different? Would you do that? Uh, when, when in parenting, when you're tempted to just sort of let it go and not really train your child and when maybe you're resenting their rebellion, Lord, help me love them. Help me pour into them. When you're trying to get your finances under control and you, you see what you want and you want to go buy it and you're reaching for, God, please help me to get this discipline down. Help me. Would, would, you, would you help me? And, and if you blow it, you've got the grace of God, which allows you not to beat yourself silly for the mistake or the, the, the sin you just committed. But you can, you can pick yourself up and keep moving forward because of the grace of God. We saw last week how that teaches us to say no to ourselves. It's instructive, the grace of God, because we're already valuable. We don't have to convince ourselves of that. We don't have to beat ourselves up when we blow it. We, we, can, we can just move on in the grace of God and experience uh, the life that he has for us. So that's, that's the way it is. We have to say no to ourselves. Um, there's a reward for denying yourself and following Christ. He says you find life. That, that's what you get. You, you become someone you can respect. You, your kids get the training they need. Your relationships become more enjoyable. Or you can learn to deal with conflict in the midst of the relationships. You, you make good progress in your career, your finances. You start to make progress in them. Be, because you are changing into a productive person by the grace of God that he's helping you with. You, you are changing into a productive person. You find life because of, because of who he is. Now let's look at some ways to get motivated. I'm going to wrap up the message by looking at some ways to get motivated to deny yourself. Scripture shows us how to do that. Uh, first, keep your eyes on the prize. 
that, that helps you get motivated. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, do, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The only way to be motivated to say no to yourself in the moment is to keep your eye on the benefits of the training that you're going through. You, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. We're, the, the Winter Olympics are coming up. We're going to watch people, if, if you choose to watch the Olympics, you're, you're going to watch people who have oriented their entire lives around that three or four minute goal of standing on the podium with the gold medal around their neck. They have oriented, I went to high school with a gal who was a figure skater. She actually was in that year in Sports Illustrated, which is probably an antique by now, that, that copy, but... Um, that year in Sports Illustrated, she, uh, they said that she beat Dorothy Hamill. Dorothy Hamill ended up winning the gold medal. But she didn't get to hang out with the rest of the people in our high school because she got up early in the morning and she went and trained. She, she left after school. She went and trained some more. She, she traded her childhood for that goal. And she, and she didn't reach it, but that's what it takes. If you're... You, you, if you're going to, to orient your life around something, you have to remember the, the prize and keep your eyes on the prize. And the way it works in God's kingdom, uh, if we're going to grow and if we're going to become more like him, we have to remember the prize. And it's, it's, it's a prize that has value in the next life. Because God, in his graciousness, rewards the, the changes in our character. He rewards the good stuff that we do. He doesn't have to. We don't do it because we're trying to earn his approval. But we do it because we have his approval and we want to reflect well on him. And as we do that, as we change and as we grow and as we develop things, God is storing up a reward for us in eternity. And we begin to experience the blessing and benefits in the here and now as well. But in order to get that prize, to receive that prize, we have to make a similar trade that those Olympic athletes have to make. We have to deny ourselves every day. In the moment, we say no to ourselves so that we can receive the prize. Second key to motivation is to focus on the value of godliness. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know, it's easier to train if, if you have a reason to, to train. If, if you want to play football or basketball, uh, you train for that. If, if you want to uh, be a concert pianist, you, you train for that. And in, in the practice, in the, in the habits that you develop as an athlete or as a concert pianist, your hands get in shape as a pianist. You know, that, that you have to have 
the right hands. My fat fingers wouldn't do well. But if you have, you know, as you train, you, you develop the, the right discipline as, as you follow a certain routine. And so if you have a reason, it's easier to train. I, I never trained in high school to play football. I showed up completely out of shape the first day and paid the price. But over the next few weeks, I got in shape. Same thing happened in basketball. Um, I, I generally got sick first day of both those practices, different kind of conditioning. But as you train, you get in shape as you, as you, as you move toward the goal. There, there is a core workout routine uh, for growing in godliness. There, there is a core routine that you need to develop. The core training for godliness has to do with four areas. The Word of God, prayer, fellowship with other believers, uh, having a relationship with them, and ministry. Um, you soak in the Word of God. Uh, you hear it, the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible, basically. You hear it, you read it, you study it, you memorize it, you meditate on it. Um, you, you develop a prayer life that's consistent, even daily, even without ceasing. You just learn to live your life before God. Take things to him as you live your life. You get into fellowship. You, you put yourself in a group of people who are trying to walk with God who will encourage you. And you develop relationships with them. And you go through life with them. And that, that routine of being with the people of God, being around them, getting to know them, letting them get to know you, that develops you. That helps you grow in godliness. It's part of the dynamic of the way it works. Um, ministry, serving others and helping others come to know Christ. This, this is all a part of the basic core training for godliness. Not just going through the motions, but actually trying to let God change you as you get into the Bible, as you pray, as you fellowship, as you do the ministry that, that he assigns to you. There, there's no way around that. that that's... Old school, <laughs> those four things, it, you know, they, you find them in Scripture that was written thousands of years ago, but there's no way around it. That's what it takes. This core routine of learning about God, understanding Him, knowing His ways, soaking it in, letting Him change your perspective on the way life works. Um, and it has value for all things. It has a tremendous amount of value. One, one problem that Paul points out in 1 Timothy is that physical training only has value uh, here and now. It, it has a limited reward. And I, I showed a video a couple years ago. I want to show it again. Tom, uh, an interview with Tom Brady on 60 Minutes. And... He's talking about, he's, at this point, he's won three Super Bowls. He's still only won three Super Bowls. But I'd like to listen to his, his response to the interviewer as he talks about trying to find the meaning of life. But with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings? And and still think there's something greater out there for me. I mean, 
Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I love playing football, and I love being the quarterback for this team. And But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. With three Super Bowl rings, he already has Hall of Fame credentials, even if he never played another game. But he's only 30, and just entering his prime. Do you think he's going to go down as one of the greatest players ever? I hope he goes down as the best player ever, not one of the greatest. I hope he goes down as the greatest. I mean, the sky's the limit. Which of the rings do you like the best? What's uh, your favorite ring? My favorite ring. We always said, and I said always, the next one. The next one's the best. That's interesting because in our culture, uh, status, performance, achievement, it's held up. We've got to keep going after it. And, and the truth is, it doesn't really satisfy. There's a reward from hard work. He has, he has a great job. I think his wife's a supermodel. Yeah, there's sort of a reward in, in some of that. And we hold that up as the, the end of all ends. But the fact is, he's not satisfied. All of those things haven't brought the deep satisfaction that he longs for and he's searching for. And I, I hope he finds it. I really do. Pursuing and finding godliness has a, a double reward, this passage says. It's a reward in eternity. By the grace of God, he stores up a reward for us. But he also blesses every part of our life here and now as, as we change to be more like the Lord Jesus. As we keep saying no to ourselves, things get good right here and now. We, we still face trouble. But even in the midst of the trouble, there's this satisfaction that we found what life's all about. And there's reward. You, your own self-respect grows. Your, your own self-image is, is strengthened as, as you walk with the Lord, as you begin to make these changes. You find deep satisfaction that money can't buy. Money, status, achievement can't buy it. You find it. Your relationships with your family grow. They change. Your friendships get better. Your, your approach to, to goals and your work is, is more uh, productive. You, you begin to change the way you go about things. Um, there's a real contentment in knowing God. But there's this fight that goes on. I talked about last week. There's this pull toward our old ways, our old life, our old self that distracts us as we set our heart to do what God's called us to do. So we have to keep saying no. Spiritual training isn't just an add-on to life. It's not just another compartment. It is the core. And it is something that will change our the core of who we are, and it will prove valuable in every part of our life. That's, that's why we discipline ourselves and say no to ourselves. Third, weigh the benefits of knowing God, or knowing good from evil, sorry. Weigh the benefits of knowing good from evil. Hebrews 5, 13, 14 says, uh, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching 
about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You notice it's always train yourself to be godly. These The mature people have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And the way you keep motivated, stay motivated to discipline yourself, to, to train spiritually, is to recognize the tremendous benefit from knowing God and becoming more like him. And this passage says that one of the major benefits is knowing good from evil. You, you, know, you know the best from the okay. You're able to discriminate. You become discriminating in your choices. Many times as, as we face choices just naturally, there's an either or. There's what I want and there's this other thing. <laughs> but as you walk with God, the, the, you begin to learn to discriminate between the good, the better, and the best. Um, it's like developing a discriminating palate. You know, when I was younger, I used to love ground sirloin. And that's what I ordered, ground sirloin. You know, pretty thick chunk of ground sirloin. That may gross you out. Sorry if it does. Um, but then I had a ribeye steak. Okay, I, until I had a ribeye steak, that ground sirloin was fine. But as I've grown, I've tried more of the options that are out there on the menu, and I've become more discriminating. And so that that's how you develop a discriminating palate. You have more experience and you grow. That's exactly how you grow in your understanding between good and evil. You get into the scripture, you soak it in, you try to live it out, and you learn, whoa, that was really good. I didn't respond the way I normally do in this situation. God gave me the power to be different in what I said, in the way I handled it. And then you, you oh, what? that's what he meant by that. And you become more discriminating, and it draws you toward doing what God has called you to do. Process of spiritual training teaches you to discriminate. One of the things being in the Bible does it, it gives you the right categories and the right uh, understanding of life and knowing it. You, you get into his word and you begin to live it out and you taste his goodness. You taste his, his design. When, when you fall back into old patterns and old ways, it, it tastes stale and and then you begin to learn to distinguish good from evil. Well, that wasn't good. I shouldn't have said that. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Plant the seeds every day that will grow into the good stuff. You do that by saying no to yourself. In a few moments, we're going to receive our offering. And uh, again, I'd like to thank you for your generosity, what we do here at Church and Valley. We're able to do because of your regular tithes and offerings. So I'd like to thank you for your giving. Uh, as we get prepared for the, the offering to receive it, I'd like to bring up some next steps that you may want to take. They're on the back of that connection card. They're also on your outline. You might want to, uh, if, if one of these steps you plan to take, check it on 
the, the card and drop it in the offering. And that's just a way of making a commitment. As you get into the Scripture, what you find is, what, what the Bible says is, you, you step out to do what you hear in the Scripture and your understanding increases. That's how you grow to know God. Get into the Bible, you do it, and you understand Him more. Uh, maybe a step you want to take is to memorize Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to His disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Just to remind, to remind yourself of that aspect of following Christ. That's the core of what it means. Another step, I will make my own list of the spiritual benefits uh, or of the benefits of spiritual growth and discipline and thank God for them. Just set some time aside and write down. These are the things that God has done. As I began to follow him, this is the benefit of being in his word of prayer, you know, of being around other Christians who are wanting to follow Christ. This is it. And so set them aside just to motivate yourself, give you a little motivation yourself to move on as you see the blessing that God brings. And then we're, we're going to do some new kinds of groups this spring. We're calling them growth groups and um, just. Maybe you haven't been in a, a, with a group of people trying to learn about um, following Christ. There, there are going to be several different topics and curriculums that you can that the groups are going to be offering, and so this would be a great opportunity for you to plug in, be able to develop some friendships as you learn uh, about a specific area of following Christ. Um, just maybe your step is I'm just going to explore what that is all about. Not going to dive in yet, but just going to explore it. Would you pray with me uh, before we keep moving on? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your grace that you pour out on us. Because God, when when we do blow it, you're always there to forgive, to strengthen. And I am, I am so grateful that you love us with an unfailing love. Father, help us to find the motivation to change, to be more like you. Help us to find the motivation to discipline ourselves, to, to give ourselves to the training, to deny ourselves. Take up our cross and follow you, Lord. Help us to do this by your power and strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.